I don't know how much you can hear of the children's responses when we have our conversations. But I was showing them the little cross. It's a metal cross that's made out of the three nails and uh, talking about how Jesus was nailed to the cross. And one of them said, but you said it wasn't the nails that held him on. Somebody been listening. That's what we've been talking about this month, right? That's what we've been talking about through our series. That it wasn't the nails that held him there. We use the word passion to describe his suffering on the cross, but that's also a reminder that it was his passionate love for us that held him on the cross. And so we've been talking about why he would stay on the cross, what held him there. And the first week we talked about the fact that it was his love for us that held him on that cross. The second week we talked about the fact that it was his humility Philippians 2 said that, uh, that he humbled himself to obedience, even to death on a cross. It was his humility that held him on the cross. And then last week we talked about the fact that, surprisingly, it was joy that held him on the cross. Because the Bible said that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross and the shame. He knew that the joy ahead was worth the sacrifice that he was making. And so we've been looking at those things that held him on the cross. And this morning we're going to conclude our series we're going to see that it was because of necessity that he stayed on the cross. It was necessary. If you have your copy of Scripture with you, I invite your attention to Luke chapter 24. If you'd like to follow along in the Bible app, we do have a, a somewhat of a complicated outline, and so it might be easier to follow through in that Bible out app this morning. Uh, you can find that under the events I encourage your attention either there or in your scriptures, Luke chapter 24, as we begin at verse 25. After Jesus died, as you know, they put him in the, in the tomb. Sunday morning, the ladies showed up at the tomb to finish preparing his body and doing all that they did back then for loved ones who had died. And when they appeared at the at the tomb, they found the tomb empty. Well, the first thing they did was to follow through on what Jesus told them to do, and that is go tell the disciples. Go tell the disciples that Jesus had fulfilled his promise and was indeed alive. So they go tell the disciples. After the disciples are informed about Jesus' resurrection, we get this story in Luke chapter 24 about two disciples, probably not necessarily two of the 12, but definitely two followers, two who had believed in him, who had loved him, who had, who had trusted Jesus with their lives and their future. And now what? They're wandering down this road thinking, talking about what happened to Jesus. 
They saw Him on that cross. They saw Him bleed. They saw Him breathe His last. They saw Him die. It was a very personal experience and they knew in their hearts that He was dead. Now these women are saying He's alive. What does that mean? How do they wrap their brains around that? And not only how do they come to grips with that as a fact, but what do they do about that now? If that's true, what do they do? They're having this conversation back and forth as they walk down the road, and all of a sudden, as they walk down the road, a stranger appears. They don't recognize this stranger, and the stranger says, hey guys, what are y'all talking about? They said, well, how, have, how, do you, how do you, is it that you haven't heard what's going on? Jesus came to town and they killed him. And now we've heard he's back alive and we don't know what to do, what to think. And Jesus began to reveal himself to them. He was that stranger who was walking down the road with them. And he began to open their eyes slowly, reveal to them who he was. And we pick up the story in verse 25. He said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They didn't know what to think or what to do with this new reality that Jesus had died on the cross and they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. And he says, guys, don't you understand? The prophets told you it was going to happen and it was necessary for it to happen. I want us to camp out on that one word this morning. He said, it was it not necessary? What makes it necessary for God's Son to die on the cross? We're going to look at that question from two points of view. First, we're going to look at it from God's point of view. And then we'll look at it from our point of view. First, as we look at that question, why was the cross necessary? We look at it from God's point of view. And we see, first of all, that the cross was necessary to reveal God's evaluation of human life. The cross was necessary because it shows us how much God values human life. If he would go to that much suffering, if God the Father would send His Son, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the earth, if He would have that great redemptive plan from the beginning and then fulfill it in His very own begotten Son, and if Jesus Christ would go through all that He went through, that tells you how much value they place, how much value God places on human life that stood out in their day 
particularly because human life was so cheap. In Jesus' day, unwanted children were just disposed of, oftentimes just set out on the street. If somebody wanted them, they could pick them up. If not, they didn't survive. A slave could be killed by his master with no questions. No one would ask, why did you do that? Despots used people, killed them without second thought. You remember stories of Nero who lit up his garden with human bodies and used them as torches. Human life was cheap. In many ways, human life in our culture is considered far too cheap as well. But God values it greatly. When God first created, we've been talking about this on Wednesday nights for some time, when God first created, he created the the, the, the light, and then he created the, the, the stars and the moon and the sun. He created the plants. He created the animals. He created the water, split the water, created the land, blah, 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 blah. As he went through, he created everything. Each day, at the end of each day, he, say, he looked over his creation for that day, and he said, you know, that's good. That's good. But then he created man. And the day he created man, he looked back over his creation, and he said, now, that is very good. He values human life so much that he was willing to pay the life of his own son. Jesus' death on a cross shows us that view from God's perspective of the value of human life. In 1993, the hit film, In the Line of Fire, starred Clint Eastwood. You may remember the story He is a Secret Service agent who's supposed to protect the life of the president. And he's been doing that for 30 years. And during that 30-year span, one memory has haunted him his whole career. Because 30 years before the story of the movie, he was there in Dallas the day that President Kennedy got shot. And as a Secret Service agent, when the shots went off, this guy panicked and he froze. It was his job to protect the president. It was his job to put his life on the line, to stand in the line of fire if necessary, and he froze. And so that haunts him for 30 years. And then in... Our movie, a spoiler alert, but it's the movie so old you're not going to watch it anyway. (laughs) But in in our movie, the Secret Service, Service agent finally does have the opportunity to protect the president, moves into the line of fire, takes the shot himself, takes the bullet for the president, saving the president's life. And we say, who would do that? Who would jump in the line of fire to protect someone else? Who would give their life to protect the life of someone else? Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 kind of addresses that. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Would, 
This guy had to die for the President of the United States. Why do Secret Service agents do that? Because they know that the person in that position, not because the person may be a great individual, but because the position is so important, so valuable to the nation and to the world, that that position must be protected. Therefore, they're willing to lay down their life for it. In a similar way, Paul asks, one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still worthless, God considered us valuable enough that he sent Christ to die for us. The cross was necessary to show us God's evaluation of human life. And then we might say from God's perspective that the cross was necessary to reveal the essence of God's character. The cross was necessary because in the cross, God reveals who he really is. If we sum up who God is in one word, what word comes to mind from Scripture? God is love, right? 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God, but God is love. The cross shows us that. It's ne he was necessary for Jesus to die on the cross because it reveals who God is. God is love. 1 John goes on to say, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The cross proves who God is. His, his essential character is love. Did that last verse, the last part of that reading, did that sound familiar? Those of you who've been here this month, your answer is yes. This is our memory verse for the month, right? We're memorizing 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Let's read it together. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And you've been practicing that at home. You've been memorizing it in the car. And now you're ready. We're going to say it together with a blank screen. Right? Here we go. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Great. Very good. That's one you need to... Keep in there and keep in there. Carry that one with you. The cross was necessary because it revealed, it showed us the essence of God's character, His great love. The cross was also necessary to reveal God's estimate of sin. The cross was necessary to show us God's estimate of sin. It shows us His evaluation of sin man it shows us the essence of his character it also shows us his estimate of sin here's the point 
You and I take sin too lightly. It's a mistake. It's an oops. Oh, well. God takes sin very seriously. He takes it so seriously because sin always separates us from Him. We were created to have fellowship with God, but our sin messed that all up. Sin always separates us from Him. And sin is serious stuff. And He shows us how serious sin is because it required the blood of His Son to fix the sin problem. The cross was necessary because sin is that serious. When we look at the cross, we see the depths of our sin and the pain that it causes. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5, He was pierced. Notice, notice the transactions here. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds, we are healed. You see, the cost of our sin. And when we come to the cross, we see face to face the reality of the seriousness, the great cost of our sin. A nervous father was waiting while his daughter was in surgery. Finally, after a long time, the doctor came into the waiting room and he explained what they had to do. He said, we had to make an incision that went almost all the way around your daughter's body. We, we had to take out a rib. We had to clip a nerve. We had to move this and rearrange that and rebuild this. And then we had to put it all back together. And the dad just sat there amazed. And as the doctor got up to leave, the dad said to his friend that was sitting next to him, if it took all that to make her well, my baby must have been terribly sick. Friends, sin made the world terribly sick. And it took all that to heal us. From God's point of view, the cross was necessary to show us His evaluation of sin. From our point of view, let's look at the cross and what kept Jesus there, why it was necessary from our point of view. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Folly means foolishness. It means the, when they hear the story of the cross, it just seems silly to them. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Did you hear that? For us who are being saved, the story of the cross is the power of God. That word power is so important. From our perspective, it explains why the cross was necessary. First, the cross is the power of God to challenge 
our hearts. The cross of God is, or the cross is the power of God to challenge our hearts. When we look at Jesus on the cross, it challenges us within. Why would he do that for me? And how must I respond? Galatians chapter 2, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I'm not the guy I used to be because I was challenged in my heart to change. When I saw what Jesus would do for me, it changed me. It challenged me. I'm no longer who I was. A hunter and his dog were trying to cross a swift river on a flimsy boat. The boat capsized. They both fell out into the water. The dog was able to swim to the river's edge. As he got out on the edge of the river, he turned around just in time to see his master kind of floating up and down, up to, up to the water's surface. The dog immediately jumped back into the swirling waters to help him. The hunter grasped hold of limbs of a tree that were floating down, eventually reached the shore. But the dog was not so fortunate. His master, finally making it to the river bank, saw his faithful dog drown. Later, he wrote an article about his experience. And in that article, he said, it is a challenging thing to have someone die for you, even a dog. Friends, it's a challenging thing to have someone die for you. You cannot look at Christ on the cross of Calvary and stay cold. You cannot look at the cross of Christ on Calvary and pretend that it didn't matter. It challenges your heart. It causes us to sing, alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote his sacred head for sinners such as I? At the cross, at the cross, I first saw the light. The burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. It challenges us at a heart level. It's necessary for us, from our point of view, to see the cross because it is the power of God to challenge our hearts and it is the power of God to pay for our sins. The cross was necessary because it was the power of God to pay for our sins. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 says it so clearly. He himself bore our sins in his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And you, you hear him quote Isaiah, by his wounds you've been healed. He bore our sins in his body that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He did that so that we might be changed. He paid for our sins that we might have his righteousness. Someone summarized the word holiness in this way. God thought it. Jesus bought it. The Spirit wrought it. The Word taught it. 
The soul sought it. Faith brought it. The devil fought it. But because of Christ, Christians got it. We are made holy in Him. The cross is necessary because the cross is the power of God to change us. It's the power of God to change us. And we're going to finish at 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. You know this one already? The power of God to change us. Look, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new is come. When we let the cross challenge our hearts, when we come face to face with that great love for us, and we allow that power to change us, it doesn't just give us a new outlook on life. It changes us from within. And we are literally new creatures. We used to be walking dead people. Now, we are the children of God who live with Him forever. Jesus was not a martyr who died for a cause He believed in. He was a Savior who intentionally laid down His life for the people He loved. He took our sin and gave us His righteousness. He saw how our sin separated us from the Father and He paid the price that we might be reconciled to Him. He saw us as sheep without a shepherd and made us children with a heavenly Father. He took our brokenness and made us whole. He took our sin-sick souls and gave eternal and abundant life. He changed us from slaves to sin into servants of the Most High God. He changed our mourning into joy. He found us wandering and showed us the way. He took our shame that we might experience His glory. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light of heaven filled my soul. He changed me. That's the power of the cross and the reason that the cross of Christ was necessary.